Welcome to Grow Your Influence Tree with your host, Leonard Kim. This is the show especially for those that want to be among the top influencers of the world. We'll help you build your brand, tell the most compelling story, build your reputation and grow your audience, and attract the top clients and customers. Listen to the experts. Think like they do, and you'll be on your way. Now, here's Leonard Kim. Hey everyone, Larry Kim here and welcome to another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree. Today on the line with us, we have Steve Blondie, uh, who's actually a film producer and his latest film, Hacksaw Ridge, was actually nominated for six Academy Awards. But before we get into anything, Steve, do you want to kind of take a moment to introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about who you are and your journey into becoming a movie producer? Uh, yeah, I'd love to do that. And thanks for the opportunity, uh, you know, having me on the show, Leonard. I, I really do appreciate that. And uh, yeah, you know, my journey started when I was very young. Um, and I'm actually a cre- what they call creative movie producer. So sometimes these, um, you know, terms are, um, are a little confusing because people see the credits on movies and they see executive producer and producer and all that kind of thing. So just real quick, I'm a creative movie producer. So that means I'm the one that comes into the project first. I find the script. I attach the talent, you know, in the way of like a director, actors. I raise the financing or bring it to a studio. So I'm the kind of producer who's really hands-on and involved uh, at the very beginning of the process and all the way to the end, to the actual release of the film. So that's the type of producer I am. But My passion for the movie business started back when I was 11 years old, uh, growing up in New Jersey, uh, which, you know, couldn't be furthest away from the movie business. But um, I used to make movies, Super 8 movies in my backyard. And I used to hire all the kids in the neighborhood and they'd come and they'd act in the movies. And, you know, I'd be like setting things on fire and, you know, flooding big, you know, mud pits and things and making all these wild disaster movies because I just always had this passion to to, want to be creative and want to make films more specifically. And I actually had a subscription of Variety, which is like the uh, industry, you know, newspaper or periodical. And uh, I remember they they had to deliver it. They delivered it once a week in New Jersey. It was like a hundred dollars a year to get a weekly Variety. So I had no idea what any, anything inside of Variety meant because it's written in a very kind of technical jargon back then. But uh, I did have a subscription of Variety when I was 11 years old, but, in any case, just kind of flash forwarding, um, when I uh, failed out of high school, uh, because high school and school in general was really not something that uh, I kind of was good at, I, I guess. Um, and maybe that's because, you know, I have sort of a creative mind. I like coming at things very differently, maybe, than, than other people. I mean, I like to believe that's what it is. Um, I hope that's what, what it was. But I basically failed out of high school wound up really depressed, um, wound up having to go live actually with my grandmother. And I know, you know, after researching your story, we kind of had similar trajectories in, in, in many Hmm. ways. And, you know, and I know a lot of successful people, you know, they, they do sort of go through these, these things when they're starting out, you know, it can start from being really feeling like a failure, you know, or, and being really depressed and self-loathing. And anyway, I found myself living at my grandma's house, which was not the best of circumstances. And, uh, you know, just kind of hit rock bottom. And I decided, 
I, yeah, you know, a few things in common here. But then, you know, I, after a short period of time, not a long period of time, um, I kind of pulled myself together and I planned this big move from New Jersey to, to Hollywood because that was my dream. And I thought, you know what? When you have nothing to lose, you know, there's, there's a great, I love uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. There's a part in the movie where he wants them to sign a, a disclaimer, you know, in case anything happens when they go inside the Chocolate Factory. And I remember Jack Albertson says to the Willy Wonka character, or to the, uh, to the kid, he says, sign away, Charlie. He goes, we got nothing to lose. <laughs> so, um, you know, sometimes when, when you've got nothing to lose, you know, uh, that's, that's, the point in time when you can really go for it, right? <laughs> because there's no downside. So, um, so I just decided, you know what, I'm going to go for my dream. And I uh, had a job just working as a waiter in a restaurant and did, did pretty well, you know, made really good money doing that. Uh, only had to work a few hours at night, also learned how to bartend and just, you know, learned uh, how to be uh, a good kind of server and somebody, you know, had, uh, cause that gave me people skills. Actually, that really helped build up my people skills was working in a restaurant, having to go up to a table, just ice cold and, you know, good evening. Hi, can I, you know, and just trying to get people to, you know, to tip me right at the end of the day. Um, so in any case, I saved up my money, uh, threw all my stuff in my car and just headed West. And not knowing like what was going to become of me. I just knew I was going to wind up in California at some point in time. The first night totally bummed out was like, what have I done? <laughs> you know, <laughs> And um, almost turned around at that point, almost gave it, gave up and gave in. But I thought, all right, I'm going to go to sleep tonight. And if I wake up tomorrow morning and I feel, and I feel still feel terrible, I'll turn around and go back home and, you know, just chalk it up to, I made a huge mistake. But the next morning I felt great, got on the road. And by the next day I was already into like the deep West, the far Western part of the United States. It was beautiful. The sky was filled with stars and I finished my trip and eventually made it to California. Well, again, just fast, fast forwarding. Cause I know your shows, uh, you know, not six hours long. Um, in LA, wound up getting a restaurant work here, tried to go to college. You know, I, I messed around in a few different colleges, got thrown out of a few, uh, but went to community college, you know, got, got a, as much of an education as I could, figured out eventually how school worked, you know, worked, quote unquote, that, um, you know, I'd go into these classes and they'd say, all right, you know, we're going to do a free form question and answer. And I'd just be the first one to raise my hand because I'd, I'd literally just read like one paragraph of the book. And then I'd raise my hand like I was really eager to talk. And they always, they just assumed I was the guy that read everything and knew everything. So they never <laughs> wanted me to, you know, they wouldn't pick on me. Or they'd just pick on me first and I'd say something. And I'd, you know, and I, I'd just pick like the best thing out of that chapter and say that. And then I was done for the rest of the day, you know, the session. Because everybody else was sitting there panicking who hadn't read a single thing. And now they were, you know, under fire. But, but um, I digress. But um, eventually, uh, and this was after, I would say, you know, maybe six or seven years of trying to figure it out because, you know, I didn't know anybody in the movie business. I didn't have any connections to anybody in the movie. I didn't know what a producer was or what a producer did or, or anything. And um, it took me a long time to 
also get comfortable from moving outside of my comfort zone, which was the restaurant business. And the downside to the restaurant business is that you do make a lot of money in not a lot of hours. Um, it's fun. You get to eat. You get a lot of your money in cash sometimes. So there's all these benefits and you fall into a comfort zone and it's hard to have to then at that point sacrifice again because you remember when you were living back with your grandmother and what that felt like and how how miserable it was to not be able to afford to eat or afford to do anything fun, right? And so you really don't want to sacrifice because... Anything that's worth having, you know, it's a big cliche, I guess, but you have to make sacrifices. You have to really be willing to do what other people are not willing to do for the most part. And so, anyway, I I eventually got out of the restaurant business. I started to intern. That was my way into the business. So, I, I just showed up. I figured, all right, let me start at the top and work my way down. So that's a good strategy. And I said, let me go to the best companies and, and let them tell me, no, get lost. You don't have a college education. You don't know shit. You know, sorry. Um, you don't know anything. Um, go away. So I did that. And the first like places shot me down, but the third place was like, yeah, we, we need an intern. You can start, you know, Monday. <laughs> Um, in fact, if you want to be an assistant here, you can be an assistant here. And I was like really scared to do that. <laughs> so that was really, that was not something I was going to do at that point in time. You know, I wanted to kind of, again, find a comfort level and get some experience. So that's what I did. I would come into this office and high level producer, and I would sit in his lobby and I would go through all his files because his filing cap, he was so busy and had so much going on that his filing cabinets had papers. They were misfiled. There was papers hanging out of the file. It was a disaster. Like, the office was such a mess. Yeah, the office was a complete mess because he was hiring and firing people like a maniac. Um, He was was in and out of movie productions, which are are really intense, and, um, you know, just just create a lot of paper. And, you know, back then there was a lot of paper. Uh, So the office was a mess. So I was... I'm pretty neat and clean and organized type A individual. So I went around and I started cleaning the office. And don't you know, I'm cleaning underneath the assistant's desk. And, and, and like, I kid you not, there were, like, people's jackets and clothing underneath there and, old, you know, food, you know. <laughs> and I found, I found the files that he needed for a lawsuit that helped improve and win this lawsuit. And they were literally stored, like, underneath the assistant's desk in the lobby of this crazy production company. So, um, so I, I, I found these documents and, and they were like, Whoa, you know, that, that's, that's pretty impressive. So I got, obviously I got offered employment, um, which I was reluctant to take because I was still working at night in the restaurant business. I didn't want to give up my, uh, I was, I was literally pulling down like 40 or $50,000 a year at this, at like a high end restaurant. You know, and this is this is twenty five years ago, and That's great um, money back then. It, it was great money. I mean, it was it was a really great place to work. But anyway, so you know, and they were they were like, "We'll pay you three hundred dollars a week, and you can come in and and you know work all day, and and it'll be great." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, hmm, uh, how am I going to live in Los Angeles on three hundred dollars a week? Like, like that's not going to be." 
Anyway, I finally cut the cord. I figured out how to do both for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Then I, I, you know, just decided, all right, now I can't do this. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna sacrifice. I'm just gonna suffer again. I'm, you know, I'm gonna just stay home. And literally for like the next four or five years, all I did was work at this production company and, and pile up credit on my, yeah, I just piled up debt on my credit card, which is not a good strategy. I'm not recommending this to anybody, but the, I, I, I had a very specific goal in mind. I had, I was on a track because I, I saw that it was a track and I believed in myself, at least to, to that, to the extent that I was going to try to make this work. And I did put a lot of, a lot of it on credit cards. Now, when I made my first film as a producer, five years later, I paid all my credit cards off, which was an amazing point in my life. It was like incredible. Like Leonard, do you remember the first time you were able to do that from being like flat broke? Yeah. But then the first time I and, also gave up and filed bankruptcy. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess it's the same time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it makes that it makes the second time all the more sweeter, doesn't it? Though it does, it really does. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you pause there for a second, but <laughs> but no, but I, I really, I I really do believe that you know it, there is some necessity to having to go through a hardship. It does, as they say, build character. Um, and I think it did in many ways prepare me for, you know, ultimately leaving the restaurant business because I knew that at the end of the day, if everything, you know, just fell apart, I could always go back to working in the restaurant business again. So that was like my fallback. And I just knew that, you know, and it's, and it's important to have that. I think, you know, for people who are coming up and want to be in maybe the creative arts, which is a tough field or any field that requires, sacrifice and most all of the, you know, various fields and professions that are worth going into, I guess, require some type of sacrifice. It may be a different kind of sacrifice than you might have in your mind, but they all require some level of sacrifice. So I think, um, you know, it's, it's good to have some fallback, some, something that you can do, a skill or some financial strategy where you don't have to eat white rice, uh, and crackers every night. You know what I mean? Um, and, and I at least had the restaurant business tell me that, but again, just to fast forward and I, and I know I'm talking a lot. Uh, so stop me if, uh, if you want to jump in and ask questions, but, um, but anyway, so, you know, I, I worked my way up and, uh, I, I learned in the, at least in the movie business, nobody was looking to hand me anything. I had to earn every single thing that, that I got. And, um, like, you know, my first movie that I produced, uh, we, it was a project that was in the filing cabinets. Um, and I came up with just a great idea on how to, how to move it forward. And then from there, the, it started to pick up speed and the movie ultimately got made. And on that movie, sorry, Oh, awesome. Um, it's about time for us to hop off to a commercial break. We could talk a little bit more about how that movie got produced and what went behind that. But before we get into any of that, where can people find you online? Yeah, so I have a uh, website, longitudeentertainment.com 
So uh, my name is Steve Longi, L-O-N-G-I. Um, it's a little difficult sometimes to pronounce or spell, but I'm at longitudeentertainment.com. Perfect. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Influencers Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for The Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 12 noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We don't follow, we lead. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here with Steve Longy, and we've been talking a lot about Steve's journey, how he went out there, had to live with his grandmother for a while, much like I did, and hustled his way through the restaurant industry and worked his way into the movie industry. And he mentioned two things. One is kind of the struggle, and the other one's a sacrifice. So with the struggle, sometimes it's not your fault. Um, how Steve ended up living with his gra- uh, grandmother may not have been completely his fault. Uh, for me, it was because of the economy and having difficulty to find work and it was a horrible experience yet on the other side of things when steve went out there and started talking about what he did to go out there to make it into the movie industry uh by uh working for an underpaid internship uh taking on the job that paid a lot less than his uh, restaurant industry work it was a challenge it was a commitment and it was something he had to sacrifice and through uh the methods steve chose he used his credit card in regards to do that with piling up debt and was able to go out there and push through and make it to the point where he was able to pay that off and help achieve success and that's absolutely doable in any type of career i've done it myself i've seen a lot of other people do it as well but that led to what steve left off as for his first movie um do you want to get back into that yeah absolutely um so you know and then i'm going to talk about what held me back for many years and then what the second sort of the second breakthrough i had uh in my life and my career was because for me that is actually the, the more profound thing so you know initially it was just Um, I think it was just being naive and literally making, you know, taking the chance to move to Hollywood and pursue my dream. There's almost a little bit of, 
you know, there's some, there's an innocence to that because you don't really maybe at first when you're young, understand what that's all about. And that's a good thing, right? Cause that, that then helps you to keep going because you believe it can happen. When you start to, you know, get a little older, you start to become a little more jaded. You start to see things. Maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, you know, maybe I started to become a little more jaded. I'll just put it that way. But, you know, I just start to see, oh, it's not so easy. And, you know, this is, this is going to be not what I initially thought. But again, I had to, I had to continue to push through. And, and, and so I did. And fortunately, I did find success. And, and the success, you know, I think it, it comes incrementally. So you, at first, maybe you'll have a little bit of success, you know, or, or little victories, and then you can string those together and create even bigger victories. And I find, you know, those little victories were the things that kept me believing and kept me going, but there was that one thing that held me back. But in any case, on my first film, just getting back to that real quick, um, that is where I discovered Hacksaw Ridge. I was on the set of the film, and I was talking to our second unit director, and he told me about this amazing story about this gentleman in World War II who um, wanted to serve his country, but he was a Seventh-day Adventist. Um, he did not believe in carrying a weapon, or he wouldn't even touch a gun, as a matter of fact. And uh, his Sabbath was on Saturday, so he couldn't do any work on Saturday. And there were all kinds of things um, that uh, you know he had to follow, which weren't necessarily uh, consistent with what the military makes you do. And so uh, he went into World War II, and they tried to, you know, once they saw that it didn't seem like things were going to work out, uh, they tried to get rid of him, but um, he just kept coming back for more. Um, and this is just a story about a man who had very, very strong convictions. And that's what I responded to, it, just the idea that he believed so strongly in his convictions he was willing to die for what he believed in, because ultimately he became a medic, and then he went into the Battle of Okinawa, uh, again, without a weapon, and he just really just ran out onto an open battlefield and started to tend to the wounded uh, soldiers, American soldiers and Japanese soldiers. Um, so he wanted to fight World War II, and he was going to do it his own way. And at the end, he wound up winning the Congressional Medal of Honor, which is a, you know obviously a very esteemed uh, medal. Uh, but that is where I discovered that story. And then for the next 15 years, believe it or not, that's, that's literally how long it took me to, to get that movie to a point where uh, we were actually talking about getting it made. Um, but we uh, had uh, hired writers to write the screenplay and um, attach various directors. There were different actors who were um, interested in portraying the lead role. And um, it was quite a journey. And on that film, uh, ultimately, again, very successful film, nominated for six Academy Awards. We won two, but it was a 15-year uh, labor of love, basically pushing that stone up a hill, uh, kind of like Sisyphus, uh, if you're familiar with that Greek myth. But that's a lot like what they say film producing is like. It's kind of like pushing rocks up hills um, because it just takes a long time and it takes a lot of passion. But the thing that me back. Um, I'll, I'll jump into this. Uh, and I think you know it's almost time for another break, probably. But oh no, um, it's, uh, we got really, plenty of time. 
But um, before you okay, kind of get right. into that, I think what you kind of mentioned is it took a lot of years for you to go out there and kind of go out there and achieve this film going from inception, from finding, uh, discovering the story to going out there and having it hit the big screen. I think that sense of naivety that you talked about is a really good thing because maybe if you looked forward and knew what was going to take six years to potentially do this, it might not have ever come to fruition. Another good thing is with naivety, it kind of ends up doing two things. When you kind of go out there and you achieve some success, let's say you have no hardships at all. It could potentially turn you cocky, arrogant, make you kind of like a jerk, think you're better than everyone else. However, if you do experience some hardships along the way, those kind of humble you out and make you a little bit more vulnerable, a little bit more transparent, and a lot more likable in that process because you're more educated, you're more aware of situations, and it can help propel you towards what you're doing. And I think that balance of having both of those types of situations in your life kind of helped propel you into being the type of person that you needed to become to get a movie like that, not only nominated, but winning awards as well. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, listen, I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, and along those same lines, um, yeah, you, uh, I've always tried to remain very humble. And um, I think the cockiness and all of that actually comes from, I think, insecurity. So I'm always looking for the duality yeah. of things in life. And I find that sometimes, you know, something like insecurity manifests as cockiness and I, I'm okay. definitely, yeah, and, I, and I'm definitely probably guilty of that at times, but my general, um, my general feeling is always one of gratitude, and, and this, is, this, this sort of ties into what I was going to get into uh, about the thing that, that always held me back, and that's believing in myself. So being cocky or, you know, not having humility uh, – didn't, wasn't a net, wasn't a natural thing for me because I never felt good enough, actually. And this is, a, this is another thing with success that sometimes you can achieve success or you can make a lot of money and you still don't feel good about yourself. It's not the success or the money that makes you feel good, although it does make you feel good. I'm not going to lie about that. And I, and I'm never one to say it doesn't and that, you know, it, 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 it doesn't mean anything because it absolutely means a lot. But if you if you still don't feel good about yourself, um, then it, the issues can crop up, like being cocky or uh, not taking chance, continuing to take chances because you start to become you know jaded or you start to overanalyze or you know look at things differently now. You know once you achieve a certain level. So the thing for me is I discovered this. A philosophy, well, there's this philosophy that I discovered, and then I sort of perfected it, But and I can give it to you really quick. But I think it ties into a lot of things you talk about, and I think it's helpful for people. And this is how I was able to get past the next level. But it's called carefreeness. And the mm -hmm. idea behind carefreeness is that you are basically, the, the great, I would say the greatest obstacle you will face in life is yourself. Like, you're the one that's True. going to be your biggest challenge, right? So it's like getting past your emotions. It is. I mean, all that we, I mean, when we so, kind of think about, like, all the people who are against us, number one is usually ourselves. 
because you know you're having that. Well, you, I would say that the reason why that's important is because you can your your reality, right? Your life, the life that you created for yourself today. Okay, everything that's happening around you. You caused all of that to happen. That's the thing that this philosophy uh, is asking you to buy into, okay? So when you understand that everything that's happening to you, for the most part, I'm not saying like, you know, uh, some, there, are, there are random things that happen to you, but it's not about what happens to you in life. It's how you respond. To yeah. you. That may, that's what makes the difference, okay? So that's little piece of knowledge right there turned my entire life around, okay? And, and so what does that do? So that makes you fully responsible all of a sudden. So now there are no more excuses. Okay? You have to now fully take responsibility for everything that you say and do. It's all, it's all your responsibility to change your life, and you have it within your power to change your life. And the, the, way I, the reason why I know this is true is because some people are born rich and they wind up dying poor because they lose all their money, and some people are born poor and they wind up getting really rich. So it's not your circumstances that determines the kind of life you're going to have, um, and that's just a money example. But it's how you respond to your circumstances that, are, that creates your life. And the way, and this is just the last piece, the way you respond is, Tied into your ego, okay, and that can also make you very cocky, um, and your emotions, right? How you feel about things, and 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 how you feel about things ties into your perception of things, and basically, and this is where where I'll end this. Um, everything around you is really just an illusion of your own design and making, because you're seeing everything through your own lens and through your own experience. So you're just creating all of that reality and world. And the good news about that is you can change all of that in a, in a heartbeat. You can change all of that. And that's what, so that's the powerful thing that I learned. And rather than not believing in myself, I started to understand that I had it within my power now to, to actually take control of my life and taking control of your life is probably one of the most important, most satisfying things you can do in life. I agree with that. And I think a lot of people might, unintentionally think that the world is against them or other people are like um, putting them down and giving them challenges throughout life and so forth. But if you really think about it, no one person is that important in another person's mind. Usually we're the most important people in our own lives. And since we're with ourselves for so much time, we kind of see not only we kind of overlook the good things that are our, uh, our, our personality traits and our uh, uh, things that kind of highlight who we are. And we kind of look at the negative and what we have to kind of do is kind of shift that perspective. Because if we look at ourselves in a negative way all the time, then what good is that really doing for us or for others for that fact? Because if we start to look at ourselves in a more positive light, then what we could do is possibly a lot more uh, achievements than we could if we looked at ourselves harshly and negatively. I mean, some people do look at themselves negatively and then they drive to do pretty well for themselves. But at the end of the day, they might not be happy with the result because they still don't look at themselves in that uh, way where they 
feel good about themselves. So kind of changing that perspective and feel and changing how someone reacts to things is a really great thing because I mean, in any given year, there's a ton of bad things that happen, and most people just focus and put all their attention into the bad things. But in that same year, a ton of good things happen as well, and sometimes those get overlooked. So I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, by the way, how many times has something happened to you, and you thought maybe it was like the worst thing that happened to you, and next thing you know, like maybe four or five years later, it was the best thing that happened to you because it set you on a new path. So it's it's really hard to determine what's good and bad. Very few things are actually good or bad. They're actually both things at the same time. And that's why I embrace the duality. But getting back to the thing you were saying before that, yeah, it's a total reframe, right? So there's two exercises. The first one that, that these are helpful, I think they were helpful for me. So, you know, people can use the one is becoming more aware of your inner voice. You know, what you what you're having with yourself all day long, like you say. It's like you're maybe constantly putting yourself down or thinking negatively or whatever. So there's that inner voice that's going on, and you want to become aware of that voice, and you want to change what that voice is saying. And the second thing that you can do that will help change that voice is write down what we call your story. And your story is you, how you see yourself being, or how you see yourself right now being, that way. So that's how you create it. So you say, you know, right now I'm making so much money. I don't even know what to do with it all. And I've got so many friends and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like that. It's like you're doing a reframe. You're rewriting your story down on paper. And then every day when you wake up, you recite your story, you look in a mirror and you recite your story and you think about your story. And if, if you keep doing that every day, that becomes your inner dialogue. And then that will start changing your frame and your, that changes your vibe and that will change your reality because all those things are energy and that, that changes the energy around you ultimately. But it starts with doing the work. It's not, it, this is not something where you just go, oh, snap your fingers, I'm going to be better in one day. This is like, it took, you know, years for you to get screwed up. <laughs> it's going to take some time for you to kind of re- deprogram and reframe too. So you have to stick with it. You know, you have to put the work into it. But it works and it's super powerful and it's, it's completely changed my life. And there's something extremely powerful, getting out a piece of paper, pulling out a pen and a pencil, and writing something of that nature. Because your body, your mind, your subconscious actually starts to believe it as well. Um, Well, it's about time for us to hop off to another commercial break. Where can people find you again, Steve? I have a website, longitudeentertainment.com. So um, you can also Google my name, uh, there's a lot of information on the internet about me and my career and some of the films that I've produced. So it's at Steve, S-T-E-V-E, Longi, L-O-N-G-I, um, Longitude Entertainment. Perfect. And you can find me at Mr. Leonard Kim, and we'll be back after this commercial break. Voice America is available on your Google Connected device. Okay, Google, play Turning Hard Times into Good Times podcast on iHeartRadio. Try it today. Get Unchained 
Tune in every Monday for Jane Unchained on the Voice America Influencers Channel, featuring nationally recognized best-selling author, TV journalist, and social media influencer Jane Velez Mitchell. This program takes you inside a trending lifestyle that's the next wave of human evolution. It all starts on your plate. If you want to revolutionize your life, get happier, more energized, then discover the secret. Tune in to Jane Unchained Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel and get Amplified. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. This is Grow Your Influence Tree. To reach Leonard Kim or his guest, call into the program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or drop a line by email to hello at leonardkim.com. Now, back to Grow Your Influence Tree. Hey, everyone. Leonard Kim here with Steve Lundy. Um, We've been talking a little bit about going out there and writing to reshape what your death become and Steve mentioned this had a lot of success in his life and helped drive him into uh, where he is today Um, when someone's going out there and they're writing things about themselves like I'm generous I'm nice I'm rich or whatever it may be what are some of the things that you think people should kind of highlight and think most about when they're trying to build out that new bio for themselves Yeah, that's a great question. So there definitely are some tips that you can employ with that. And um, one of them is to write it in the present tense. So in order to create something in your reality, I guess, um, you know, uh, which is something I do, obviously, as a movie producer, I start with the written word on a a, piece of paper. um, And then that ultimately becomes like an entire world. Like they build all the sets and the actors and everything, you know, come together and it just takes on a whole, you know, life and, and becomes quote unquote real in a, in a sense. And so, you know, you're sort of doing that too with, um, with your inner voice and how you feel about yourself and how you change the way you feel about yourself. And so when you're writing down this story, which is maybe like a paragraph, maybe two paragraphs. Okay. And it's, it's the things that you want to focus on changing. So if you're not a very social person, you might want to write down and and you would do this in, in the present, in the present, like as if it's happening now, like I, I am a really social person is what you would write down. So um, you wouldn't write down, I want to become one, right? So you'd say you are one. Um, but 
again, this is where um, I like to, uh, there's something that I think is really important because I think people will tell you to do this, but the part that they're not, the part that they're missing that I think doesn't make sense to me anyway, because I'm very practical, very pragmatic, and I want to understand why things are, you know, happening. I think you have to write down the cause and effect of things, right? So if I say I'm, I'm healthy and I'm fit and I look good, you have to put in because I work out, I watch what I eat, you know, I don't over, you know, you have to, mm. you have to state why, right? So you want to, you want to create that whole thing, right? And you want to, and, and, and that should be true, not something you're just saying, obviously, right? Because you have to take this responsibility for your life. And if you're, if you want to be somebody who, you know, looks good in the summer or looks good at the gym or wants to be healthy, you have to employ the things that are going to, to, to cause that in your life. You have to take action on that. So, um, so I would put in your story the things you're doing. So if you're not a very social, social person, you say, I'm a really social person because I go out on a regular basis. It's, I feel really comfortable in social situations. I find it really easy to talk to people. People really seem to like me. People really seem to want to hear what I have to say. You write down every piece of it, okay? Because all those things are the things that are holding you back, right? You think, hmm, I might start talking to people. They may not like me. They may not care what I'm saying. They may ignore me, right? So you want to, attack, you want to break down what it is that you want to change your frame on. So that's what this story writing is going to do for you. And you write all the different, um, like the four key aspects of your life, like, you know, money, love, uh, I forget what they, what they are, but, um, it's like your, your health, your, like your, your financial situation, your emotional situation, your social, social situation. And you, um, figure out what you want that to look like. Okay. So what is that? What is the most optimal? experience you can have in those categories and you write that down in present tense so that's so that's a little technique another technique i I briefly mentioned before is when you recite it to be like looking in the mirror when you're reciting it um at the end um at the beginning and the end of it i like to connect it like i say my name like i'm steve wanji and this is my story so you want to con- you want to really connect your brain to it and connect yourself to it. So you're not reading it like one dimension away. You know you want to you want to be become your story. Um, let me think of other tips. Uh, but those 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 are some those are some good ones. Sometimes you record it and you can listen to it. So you can record it like on your iPhone or something when you're saying it. And then if yep. you go on a jog or you work out, you can listen to it that way. That's another good thing to do with your story. Um, yeah, those, that's those are actually, some tips for that. That's actually how I practice for my TEDx talk. Like, I recorded what I thought and um, did it on my iPhone, and I would drive to and from work or to a meeting and I play it through the uh, sound system in my car. And then like you just hear it over and over and over again. And it's like, Oh, um, it also works for public speaking as well. So then you could um, not only use it for um, going out there and changing philosophy, you could go out there and make a pretty solid speech from doing something like this too. Yeah, when you I 
when you find the confidence, because this is what it this is what it all boils down to, right? Essentially. So for me, it was not believing myself, like I said before. Uh, you know, enough. Not believing in myself enough, and I'm and I and I still, you know, I'm, I'm oh, this is always something that's challenging me, so I'm always working on it. But when you find confidence, then you have the ability to go out there and, in front of a large room of people and talk because you believe in yourself, you believe in what you're saying, so it carries through to to your reality in, in essence. Um, but that's yeah, that's. That's, um, I see this with actors, right? So, for example, I'm in a lot of casting sessions, and actors will come in to do just a, like a cold reading, or um, they'll come in to do an audition, and you can see it's very nerve-wracking for them, like, because they'll do it, and then they just, you can see that they want to get out of the room as fast as possible. So it's not a comfortable thing for them to do. But when an actor, mm. but, but I've noticed that with more acclaimed actors, actors who have like been doing it for much longer, they come in and they basically like throw it away, right? So they are, they're more carefree, which is the name of this philosophy, carefreeness. So they have adopted this sort of, um, maybe it's not totally confidence, but it's like a, an inner grounding, right? And this, this can come through meditation because that's another way to get to carefreeness is to practice meditation. That's another tool that you can use. Um, and when you're coming out of meditation and you're doing your story, that's powerful because your, your mind can absorb, you know, what you're saying more too. I think I find that to be really powerful, but, um, but you find that when actors come in and they're just throwing it away and they have that confidence, they always give a way better presentation, way better read. So, um, so anyway, this trans, this just translates in life in so many different ways. Um, Nice. Yeah, I think yeah. it does help in a lot of different ways, and a lot of people might think, oh, this is foolish, this is dumb, why But then if you kind of take a look at a lot of people who were pretty successful at whatever it is they're doing, from marketing to movies to whatever else it could be in their careers to business and so forth, a lot of them have done this. Yeah, no, no doubt. I think you know, just about anybody who is successful has done a, a version of everything I'm saying. It's, 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 somebody said to me once, Steve, does the philosophy work? And I said, it's the only thing that works because it's hmm. not, it, it's not anything new particularly. I've just figured out how to talk about it in a way that maybe makes it more digestible or understandable, right? Because it took me years to sort of figure out how all the different components of it come together. And, and all these things are based on things that you would find, you know, in Buddhist religion, in Catholic religion, and, uh, you know, in um, um, all, all kinds of Stoic philosophies, uh, Greek philosophy, various different philosophies, religions across, the, across cultures and across the world. So it's not, does this stuff work, or do people use it, or do successful people use it? They absolutely use almost every bit of it, because it's literally like what it, what it takes, or, you know, what these people have figured out in many ways, these tools that they use to become successful. They're doing it every day. Sometimes, 
I mean, a lot of times they're not aware that they're doing it. That that's something I would say. But if you really break down, you know how it works. Like here's here's another thing which is kind of interesting, um, maybe even a bit controversial. So you watch like Elon Musk, obviously, okay, um, was born in, with a certain set of circumstances, but he's an enormously successful guy. So I find it really interesting when he took over Twitter. Um, it wasn't perfect, right? Like, and and what's was in, what's interesting about him is he he seems to be okay with striking out there and not really caring how it's going to look at the end of the day. Like, like I guess what I'm saying is you can't be afraid to maybe look foolish every once in a while if you're taking big swings. Like, the biggest home run hitters strike out more than anybody. So, but in order to do that, you have to get over the fear of looking foolish or looking like you don't know what you're doing or looking whatever you want to call it, unprofessional, which is a dicey one, but you want to be able to take chances. And sometimes I say you have to go the wrong way to get to the right way. So sometimes you have to go into making mistakes and, and doing things wrong because then it gives you a chance to figure out the right thing to do. And, th- and there again is the duality, right, of everything. Yeah. Um, and you, you can use that duality. If you, if you look at things that way, Again, when I said before, it's like the, the thing that you think is the best thing today might be the worst thing five years from now or the, the opposite of that. If you can see that things have two sides, nothing is either good or bad, actually, anymore in life. And then you can, you can approach it from whichever way you want to approach it and make it into what you want to make it into. And that's the part where you're creating your reality. So does it work? Yes, it absolutely works. And it's turned my entire life. I had a good life. Uh, to begin with, with, you know, with some of my success. And once I discovered this philosophy, my life just got better and better. Uh, That's awesome. Just, yeah, combined everything. Yeah. Yeah. When I was about like 21, someone told me if you live life like an experience, then you have no, no limitations. And what he kind of meant by that is a lot of people go out there and they build expectations expectations into what their results are going to be like i'm going to talk to a woman and she's going to date me or i'm going to go and uh, apply get the first one immediately and then when that thing doesn't happen it leads to disappointment and a lot of people stop doing a lot of things but on the contrary um when you look at life like an experience like oh i'm going to an interview i'm going to learn what an uh, interview is or i'm going to talk to a woman i'm going to learn what communication in regards to dating is like it kind of flips around everything so then it kind of ties into what you're saying and helps propel that uh, path where you're not really setting yourself down the wrong one, but in fact going down the right one because you're taking everything as more of a learning opportunity. Um, anyways, it's about time for us to wrap up. Steve, do you have any final words, and can you share where uh, people can find you once again? Yeah, um, the last thing I'm going to say, which sort of relates to what you just said, was also um, be passionate about the process and indifferent with the outcome. So, yeah, you, you do that reframe where you go in thinking, okay, this is going to be a total learning experience, but also don't be attached to any certain outcome. Same thing with dating. You bring, you bring up dating, all of this advice, perfect for dating, absolutely super perfect for dating. So, you know, you go into a situation, you go out to meet people, not to hook up or to date or to get any result. You go out to just be social, and then, you know, everything else will come from that. And that's sort of that's how you should meet your life. That's my last bit of, bit of advice. Be passionate about the process and indifferent with your outcome. 
and you will never be disappointed. Awesome. Well, you can find me at uh, Mr. Leonard Kim on Twitter, YouTubeEntertainment.com. Uh, you can look up Steve Longy and you can find him as well. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for another episode of Grow Your Influence Tree, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for making us part of your week. Listen for Grow Your Influence Tree with Leonard Kim every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Stand out, stand apart, and become a top influencer. We'll see you here next week.